0: Lines of the Southland, Mr. Grant, what is the drunkest football game you have ever been at? Maybe not just football game, sporting event. Let's let's call it a sporting event.
1: Like the game was drunk or I was drunk.
0: Uh the former, although I think there's something to unpack in the latter later off the air.
1: Yeah, I mean I was gonna say, you you as you know as well as I that uh I can't drink on game days. Or well. Uh, until this coming year. but Used uh, to. The drunkest football game in terms of gameplay I've ever been to. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was the Tennessee game at Mercedes-Benz. But I think a much better answer to that is the Miami or Virginia games to close 2018. Uh, mm. Those games had no business being interesting or compelling. But yet, I think the Virginia game had like a touchdown return. Uh, or a, a kick return for a touchdown. Or maybe it was punt. Uh, like, a bunch of safeties. The game was won on a missed field goal in overtime.
0: Oh, yeah. The we UVA one was definitely dumb. It was the student dumb.
1: Section and then fumbling, uh, muffing a Presley-Harvard punt that we picked up and scored on. It, the, the 2018
0: season was weird, man. Yeah. It was, I mean, cover to cover. Very strange Thinking about thinking about it now. Especially um, having to go to Detroit to cap it off.
1: Well, that uh, that's the season that started with uh, you stand when they stand.
0: So, you know. <sighs> oh. uh, we don't have to relive that. We don't have to relive that. The only reason I bring this up, and you know where I was going with this, is because the drunkest sporting event that I have ever watched um, or have have had the honor and privilege of watching was... United States men's national soccer team playing Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final last night, and dear God, three hours of absolute mess, absolute just carnage on my television. I've never seen a game get that just off the rails in my, what, 23 and a half years of life at this point that is just it is absurd how messy that got
1: yeah i mean i wasn't necessarily watching it but we have not uh we have not suffered from a lack of sports the past few weeks i think is a general thing and that seems like a nice little little cherry on top
0: uh cherry on top is not the precise phrase i would use to describe <laughs> this game although I will give you that winning a trophy at the end of it uh, was particularly nice. I, I, I will give you that. But
1: I was going to uh, say our boys beat El Tri, but
0: El Tree, like, come on, come on, I, don't be that, don't be that Chicagoan.
1: I feel dirty claiming anything of fandom for them, knowing like, I like. I don't know, like uh, you, you very much care more than I do, and I feel like I'm infringing on that to say anything with a possessive pronoun in front of it but in general a a win over uh, is it accurate to say our biggest rivals is is always a way to end a night and you got a trophy
0: for it so uh good yes it doesn't matter It, it matters not that it's an entirely fake tournament made up for money reasons by a confederation that actively hates its uh american partners but um, that there's a lot more to unpack than we have for a thirty to forty five minute podcast there
1: that uh also may not uh be why our valued and dear listeners are here uh because they come to listen to a shit post about georgia Tech so uh
0: yeah <sighs> look if they want an episode about this u s a Mexico game and I encourage people to at least go look up the highlights on uh cbs sports youtube channel or i think they've posted the full match uh full match stream at this point please go watch it take two or three hours out of your day or afternoon or night to sit and watch the whole thing and just marvel at the absolute mess that your television becomes i
1: mean, (laughs) i mean it was a day for absolute messes it began in azerbaijan with whatever the heck the uh the end of the Baku Grand Prix was it, it had the the CONCACAF final we'll we'll dig into Nashville here
0: um yeah oh, yeah we got we got stuff to talk about we have three game, two games to talk about in Nashville
1: uh yeah it's uh it, it was it was a week uh in terms of sports and then uh we can always uh circle back but um I would like to say if you're plugging them going to uh uh cbs and whatnot uh, to watch highlights feel free uh listeners if you ever have anything you think would interest me or akshay to talk about on the show uh feel free to dm it uh at us um dm it at from the rumble seat etc um before we dive into sports i would like to say uh thanks to a reader submission we did figure out what that sketchy door was under peter's parking deck did we not
0: Yes, yeah. we did. And now, because I did not prepare for you to bring this up, I have to go look up the explanation unless you have it on oh, hand.
1: I, I got the like five word gist. Um, and it is that it's uh, functional, uh, I think, on the return to uh, uh, for steam condensate uh, to the Archibald uh, steam plant, which is uh, you guys probably most famously know as the source of the whistle. Um, Uh, my
0: source here says it's the Holland plant, actually. Holland plant.
1: Wait, what did I say? Archibald? Yes. Isn't that that his first name? I don't know. I did the building bracket and there's some building called Archibald right there that I've never been in. I'm, I'm pretty sure the same thing,
0: but, um, you know, we're all now, now he's looking it up now. Great job. uh, (laughs) Great job, unknown listener. Yeah, or, uh, called
1: Dean Central Heating Plant.
0: There we go. Okay. So both right.
1: That's the best kind of right.
0: No, technically correct is the best kind of correct. Okay, we need to move on. We need to move on. We, we, need to move on. We, have, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's start with the news items, shall we? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of notes to talk about at the top. Uh, track has NCAA championships next week, or I guess at the end of this week. Um, wow, I did not change that from last week, so that's my bad. Uh, so that is the 9th through the 12th. We have Nicole Feagans and Bria Matthews representing Tech there. Uh, women's tennis news. Uh, ITA All-American teams were announced. Uh, Vicky Flores and Kenya Jones made, uh, were named All-Americans Uh, as both singles and then also as a doubles pairing. So congrats to them. Uh, And then in an interesting, I guess, changing world of football and the NCAA's relationship with athletes and yada, 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 um, came an announcement about the 404 Academy uh, for Name, Image, and Likeness Development as legislation uh, in Georgia on that topic gets set to take effect on July 1st. Uh, The TLDR here is that each week there will be a session. uh, Each week of June, there will be a session uh, for tech student athletes uh, walking through a specific part of the name, image and likeness or NIL landscape and the opportunities that they have available to them as part of the landscape. Um, tech is bringing in a lot of experts, faculty, alumni with exper- expertise uh, in the fields of branding, marketing, innovation, uh, finance, taxation, and entrepreneurship. and quote. From uh, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff. One to read and also one to digest, especially as some of this legislation comes down the pipe. Some of this, like very NCAA shaking in their boots style legislation so let's put a pin in the updates for now but let's talk about this for a minute what is your what are your thoughts about this camp the these seminars what are we doing here
1: well just from a, a casual observer point of view um not so much on the camps clinics lessons autographs personal branding stuff but personal finance and entrepreneurship no matter how much money you're making off of this kind of stuff um those are going to be valuable, uh, experiences, you know, like just outside of, um, you know, obviously athletes come here to get an education and do well in sports and and yada, yada. But uh, we talk about being a total person and we, we talk about nutrition and medicine, but personal finance, entrepreneurship, those are very, uh, broad based skills, um, that I think, you know, every, uh, every athlete could potentially benefit from uh, regardless of, you know, say your, your sixth court tennis player is not going to be putting on a ton of camps. You know, I don't know, actually,
0: like, think about it. You have a lot of, like, as a student, as a regular student, not necessarily a student athlete, you have a lot of opportunities to make money uh, as a uh, on the side, whenever you go home for the summer, right? You can <laughs> tutor you like tutor younger kids for the SAT. You can tutor them uh, in math or something. You can it, it, like if you do know a sport or you know an instrument, you can tutor kids in those. So I don't think it's far fetched to say, hey, to for an athlete like a D, like in your example, the sixth court tennis player to go back to their hometown over the summer and say hey i'm a d1 tennis player i'm good enough to play d1 and play in the ncaa tournament um especially in the women's tennis case do you want specialized training and then make money off of that i think that's an entirely valid option for for them
1: yeah that's fair and and to piggyback on your point i did just remember that uh like for example, Tech Varsity Swim and Dive does a uh, like a camp every summer. So. so does
0: football, so does basketball, so does baseball, like but all of those camps are all those camps and there's also coaches clinics, but all that revenue goes towards athletics. Yeah. It's not given to the athletes if they're helping put on the camp or or otherwise. So this gives them an opportunity to sort of develop those entrepreneurial skills, those personal finance skills, et cetera, et cetera, and also you know restores their i mean their image rights, their financial their like marketing rights as a athlete or as a student that every regular student has
1: yeah, um I was going to add something on top of that, uh shoot um. Spitball here for a second. It was a good point.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I we put this under football just because it's, I think when we talk about NIL, a lot of the discussion points that come up or a lot of the discourse is mainly centered around football players and say, hey, yep. they can put their name on a billboard for a car dealership in, a, in their hometown back wherever they're from um, and make money off of that. Or they can put their name, like the number one QB recruit can sign a, um, an endorsement deal with a truck dealership in, what, in the city of the school that he's going to, et cetera, et cetera. Because those football players, the star football players, are probably going to be on the higher end of the earner, the earning spectrum. But I think it's not just football that's going to benefit from this. I think one of the points that's been made is that in a lot of the – non-revenue and especially in the women's sports where um social media followings and influencers and maybe even using certain um certain athletic equipment or certain products uh, like that stuff the stuff that Um, olympic athletes or that uh, those olympic athlete endorsement type deals that we see in olympic sports yeah uh, those might also become popular those might be revenue drivers in areas where schools don't necessarily consider those sports to be athletic department revenue drivers
1: yes um and and i think something like that you you did see uh especially in uh, the post london post rio world um a lot of big name uh swimmers having to consider hey am i going to stay an amateur or am i going to take endorsement deals
0: um like I mean, we saw it in swimming with Missy Franklin, right? Yeah, she, she swam exactly. for what two years at Colorado, yeah. and then went or she went to London, if I remember correctly. Swam two years at Colorado, turned pro, and then went to Rio.
1: Yep, that is exactly who I was talking about, but not explicitly naming. But so, someone like that, bing a bang a bongo, now you can have a a career and the college uh, the college experience, I guess. I and I think. Uh, from like a tennis swimming perspective, keeping some of those top talents uh, with the potential to stay in college uh, could actually
0: improve the quality of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, like think about, I mean, it's just think about the type of people that go pro, right? I mean, I mean, think about the amount of people that go pro and especially it's it's hard to break into some of those circuits, especially, I mean, there's not really a pro swimming scene other than the T.Y.R. series and some of those other club series.
1: Actually, um, we're coming up on season two or three of of an ISL International Swimming League. But you probably have not heard of it because it's hard to watch them and they don't really come to America that much. So which
0: also still serves my point, despite them having like what entirely or like half American franchises, quote unquote. Yeah. No.
1: I think, that, I think season two was entirely in Budapest or something along
0: those lines. But, but especially like in tennis and golf, yes. I think golf is the most direct example, right? It's hard to get a PGA Tour card. Yep. It is very difficult to get a PGA Tour card. So anything that helps keep some of that talent that goes pro still in the college ranks, like you said, that is good for the game, regardless of what game you're playing
1: yes and and to a couple of tech examples there um the dilemma say an andy Ogletree or tyler strafacci or going back a couple of years chris eubanks uh in the tennis world um not saying that would change their decisions i don't have any say or any uh exposure into that kind of thing but you know it might it might, might change the calculus for someone like that and someone who wants to finish out the degree um the point i was going to make before when i was like spitball um was that uh georgia tech has explicitly said they're not going to use the dumb the school can pool 75 uh of your income in some pot uh that the georgia uh nil uh legislation said which i'm very pleased about um again to editorialize a little bit um and georgia tech does a good job of building up our individuals and and helping them succeed and i think uh that's probably um waiting for your take on this, but for the best. In my humble opinion.
0: I, uh, I'm i very cynical when it comes to state of Georgia law. I, I think that is the most polite way I can say it. I am pleased in tech's response to not applying that specific part of what, was, what seemed to be a very poorly written piece of legislation, other than the basic benefit of allowing NIL deals.
1: Comment? Didn't they? Uh, didn't they sign that law at Sanford Stadium?
0: Yes. Well, they signed it in Athens. I don't know about specific location, but yes. And
1: it's just not even not even subtle sometimes, is it?
0: Nope, not yeah. at all. <sighs> well we we have the, again more to unpack in that specific. So much more to unpack with our angst uh, with specific uh, representatives of uh, the institutions that run college athletics in this state. us
1: angst never, never, we never have angst. There's nothing to be angsty about, not at all
0: just to just to close the loop on the actual seminars they did uh, tech did provide a weekly uh, schedule uh, for, for, or on ramblinrec.com, uh, week one, which I guess is this week, uh, is an introduction and overview because duh uh, two is personal branding. Three is camps, clinics, lessons, and autographs Four, personal finance. And five is entrepreneurship. And I believe at the end of week five, that is when the legislation goes into effect. So this is all if I remember correctly run through tech's partnership with influencer, uh, which is spelled I-N-F-L-C-R, because using vowels other than I in names uh, for companies and startups is fake. So yeah, you can check all that out on ramblingrec.com.
1: Is it time? I was gonna say, if you don't drop the E between uh, the second to last consonant and the R, you're just not a startup. So I'm glad we're with the best.
0: I am actually pretty sure that it is a cardinal rule of uh, VC funding. Uh and if you don't you get uh block listed from all VC funds in Silicon Valley.
1: What's the difference between block listed and blockchain? Do you know?
0: I We're me. not no, we're we're not doing this. We're, we're I'm not falling for the bait here.
1: All right. What do you got next then?
0: Are you ready to talk about how many how many baseball games four four baseball games from this weekend? No. <laughs> I'm not. Okay, let's we'll, we'll try to get through this in uh as minimal emotional pain as possible. <laughs> I think we can skip one of them, uh the third one because of how it went, but so the first one uh, which was Friday at 1 p.m. That was versus Indiana State. I don't have the final score in front of me because I'm a bad, bad podcaster, uh, but that was a late win versus Indiana State. Tech was able to pull it out uh, near the end, but I, I think it's safe to say Brent Herter had a bit of a tough time on the mound in the middle part uh, of that game, and he Tech just kind of left him out there for a bit, and it was kind of scary. <laughs>
1: That seems to be a a theme, kind of, um, of this year. The, uh, I don't know, whether whether you can call it a slow hook or a no hook. There are definitely some times when our pitchers are squirming in the wind a little bit. But, you know, it's, I don't know. Not that we don't have any good answers behind him, but in the first game of a regional, when one of the most consistent – actually, probably the most consistent pitcher you have just – he he needs to eat innings or, or figure it out because you know he can do both. He can – he has the ability to figure it out. So I don't hate the decision.
0: Yeah, I don't it, – it's – I don't think it's as – like there have been more serious, more controversial ones, right? Like – there's other ones that we can talk about in, in, in this context, but this one was just dicey. It wasn't dangerous. It was, well, I guess this, those are kind of fall into place, but it was just very, eh. it's not, I would have probably, like you said, I probably would have had a bit of a quicker hook. Uh, and I do have the score pulled up. It was seven, six, uh, Georgia tech. Yes, now I'm, pulling up the uh, the box score. This was a very, very good performance for Jeremy Guerrero of Indiana State. I really want to give him some props because he gave Tech problems the entire day. And I felt and it, the whole thing was, the whole game was predicated on Indiana State's ability to squeeze innings out of Guerrero. Um, and then also Guerrero's ability to force like long flyouts or ground ground ball outs from this team of which there were many
1: of uh, of both of those it It wasn't like tech wasn't connecting with the ball because there was definitely a uh how you say a, a knack for hitting balls either at fielders or not quite out of the yard, and I think that uh probably extends to the second game too, right? wouldn't you say
0: yeah, I didn't catch a ton of the second game myself, but if I pull up the box score here, the second game was 4-3, uh, Vandy in this case. Uh, this was the nightcap on Saturday. And taking a look at the box score here, you had a really, honestly, like a, considering the opponent a really strong start from Marquise Grissom Jr., four runs looks bad on four runs looks bad on the bad on the stat sheet. Like, I think that's pretty obvious, but none of them were earned. He went four and I I think the worst bit is that he just got into a jam uh, after four innings of good work. And the bullpen wasn't able to completely bail him out of it. But I think Dalton Smith gets some credit here for being able to carry uh, the rest of the way and limit the damage, uh, yeah. late, especially late on.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. The um, The important stat about those four runs, though, is that none of them were earned. I, I don't want Absolutely. to slip by without coming back. That It is very tough uh, to look back at that game. And, yes, it was 4-1 going into the ninth, two-run home run. But, you, you know, like – the, those are preventable uh preventable things if if they're not earned runs it's not from a a, a, a plentiful contact from vandy that was doing it you know
0: yeah Let, let's talk about because this is the uh oh boy i'm trying to find where it lists the inning so this is the fifth inning uh it starts with a single then a fielder's choice but uh the runner at first is thrown out at its second, um, or is it thrown out at its second? Oh, it's complicated. Um, and then a hit by pitch, then a fielder's choice that is that allows a runner to advance on a throwing error, then advance again to score, and then another runner scores. Both of those runs are unearned. Then another pitcher comes in. There's another error. Uh, another throwing error that allows a runner to advance, and then uh, a couple of uh, strikeouts end the inning. But that that those are two of your runs right there. And if I scroll up to find out where the other ones were, there is another error. It looks like, yeah, that looks like another error. No, it's a hit-by-pitch that... Is then that then leads to another unearned run, and then there's another wild pitch that leads to an unearned run. So, just not. He, I think obviously some of the wild pitch stuff is on Grissom, but the rest of the other there were three other runs there that are not directly he's not directly culpable for, right? Yep. The, Baseball uh, is weird. It's not, it's not intuitive.
1: It. It's tough, um, especially when you're going up against a team with pitchers who are not going to give you free runs, right? That it it seems like Georgia Tech, which has been a theme throughout the season, the walks hit by pitches and errors in in the field have just either cascaded, uh, given them free outs, whatever, uh, spoiled good counts. Th- these are things that can pile up real quickly. And that was absolutely what we saw in the second game because they Mm -hmm. all, they all kind of rained and poured in at the same time.
0: I think the important part is that they, they were still in this one, right? I mean, they were down, it was four, one going to the, I mean, this would have been the top of the ninth, right? Yeah. No bottom of the ninth. They were the home team. Were they? No, we
1: were the home team in game
0: four. Okay. So there were there were the away team in this one and it, it's very unclear from the website. It says the Vandy's website says two different things. Um so I mean they were down four one heading into the top of the ninth. And then Drew Compton, if I remember correctly, hits a two run homer to make it interesting with two outs in the inning.
1: Which it's worth noting, uh shattered a windshield. So uh good work.
0: <laughs> oh, it's very, very deep home run um and i mean it it got interesting right it, and I think this team had a has a propensity to make it interesting late into games and oh, yeah. it, it, interesting, especially for your cardiac health let me let me tell you um this last
1: month of the season aged us horribly i
0: think as as tech fans hmm
1: and uh between that basketball having a heck of a year. Woo! It, it it was a busy spring, and and I we can unpack this more later. I'm not going to take a left turn into that. I think um, obviously uh, morals of the story that we've been talking about all year include the the walks, the the accuracy, the the fielding errors. Good teams uh are or teams that go to the College World Series don't make a lot of those uh, preventable mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other specific takeaway from this game. Um, which I, I think is a lesson that everyone should learn at some point is don't park your car next to a baseball stadium.
0: How about having a, an active street uh, or a throughway next to a baseball stadium? Does that help? Uh, well, <laughs> pot call
1: kettle black here, but um, I don't think that's too wise either. But there's there's certain things you can't prevent i.e. needing to drive past a baseball stadium and there's certain things you can like you just gotta know better don't park next to a baseball stadium i'm trying to think of other sports metaphors here um but but that's an obvious one uh if you have one please bail out this bit but
0: yeah no. <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna move on so i can bail you out here uh let's move on to game three i think this was a very complete performance and i i think indiana state Who's the opponent here suffered a lot for not having Guerrero available? Oh, uh, for sure. and yeah. The important part here the most important part here is Tech only burned one pitcher in this game. Uh, Archer went when a, or had a complete game shutout with only four hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts, uh, with one hit by pitch, but he did it in 121 pitches, and, and Danny Hall let him have it too. So yep. This was a very, very good performance, especially when you if you wanted to go into the next day, you wanted to have arms available to play at least one game. um, You needed this performance and it it was very, very well managed and very well done. Um, Just to give you an idea of what the bullpen situation had looked like if I can pull back up the box scores from the other two games. Uh, so in the first game, tech burned Herder obviously was started, so he wasn't going to be available. Crawford had three pitches. Maxwell had 18. Uh, Siegel got the win and had win on two pitches because that makes sense. Uh, and Bartnicki uh, got a save on 24 pitches. So you're looking at Crawford, Maxwell, I mean, you're looking at Crawford being available the next day, potentially, uh, but Maxwell not being available the next day, maybe uh, Siegel being available. And then Bartnicki may maybe not being available the next day. And then you go into the first game versus, um or versus Vanderbilt and tech burns Grissom, obviously. And then Maxwell comes back and then, Smith also gets used for 54 pitches. I skipped one game, maybe? No. Um, let's move on to the second game versus Indiana State. Obviously, they only use Archer. So now you basically have the a bunch of bullpen pitchers available to burn at least in the first game against Vanderbilt or the first regional final game versus Vanderbilt. And now let's talk about this game six you were the one that watched this cover to cover so walk me through the first couple of innings couple of situations here
1: well we went up The was it three to one three to nothing uh anyways we poured in runs at the start and i was like all right easy game we're gonna win this by a million runs um but then, did you
0: actually – please tell me you you knew better. You did no, not actually better. say that.
1: This is Georgia Tech baseball, my man. This is Georgia Tech sports. I've, I've learned you, the game ain't over till it's over. until And that's the beauty of baseball, right? Everyone gets their 27 outs. Um, but, uh, no, um, we looked effective at the plate. Um, we were hitting, uh, but their starter settled in, and it's tough. Um, they slowly whittled their way back. Um, some shenanigans, some hits. Uh, We were lucky in a couple instances that their home runs were solo home runs. Um, I'm also thinking of later in the game uh, when – because It was not a solo home run later in the game. Well, the the middle later of the game. (laughs) Uh, VanU did wind up going uh, 7-4. They scored uh, several unanswered runs. uh, But Tech rallied for five uh in the five in the bottom of the
0: fifth bottom of the fifth
1: um putting us up eight to seven uh highlighted by a uh a beautiful uh bomb which you know if if there was one thing we did um and and granted it could have been a little bit more timely and a little bit more um uh but hitting on sunday was quite good um it, it in fact To just touch on the Indiana State thing really quick, Uh, that could have been even more out of hand even earlier. I I believe we went down with the bases loaded in the bottom of the first, uh, already winning by four. Um, So, yes, the bats came to play uh, on Sunday. But, um, yeah, and and then there's some hope again. But, you know, as we got deeper into the night, uh, obviously we knew, uh, with it being more of a bullpen game, that it was going to be a tough ride. Jakey, hold on to the lead um two solo home runs later um up until it's the bottom of the ninth this is all very rambly um for those of you who weren't there it was down to two outs as well um and uh, the the game tying home run I know that this is all uh very rambly uh, as it get, as it got later I was definitely a little bit more incoherent. but uh, Compton uh, coming through with a very timely dinger again uh would have been nice to have someone on base but you know can't can't ask for everything i think (laughs) we would have been in definitely an interesting scenario had the game ended uh and we had to play again tonight um this also would have made this a live show so who knows how that would have gone i think we would have just delayed another day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fair um but uh but yeah no in extras uh the 10th was pretty smooth sailing Uh, for Georgia Tech, but the 11th was decidedly not. Um, We didn't really have much going on at the plate in the 10th. Uh, There's no easy way to say this, but we gave up five runs in the 11th through a combination of uh, walks and dingers uh, and other – Well,
0: to be fair, it was one dinger – well, two dingers and a bunch of walks. And it was – kind of started when uh, Josiah Siegel got hit with a comeback or – um with i think two men on nope. that had to come out of the game nope and then you and then nope. Danny Hall goes to the bullpen and brings in John Medich uh who can't get an out in 13 pitches thrown uh and allows two runs or both earned on two walks and then he goes to Sam Crawford who's able to get two outs but i think one of those is a part of the, or both of those are part of the grand slam and then Dawson Brown is able to clean things up with what, with the last out but it takes him three batters to get that out. So it's a combination of just you you ran out of arms. I think that's well, what it was. You ran out of I you just ran out of arms. And it, it, it happens, right? This was a bullpen game. You just didn't have anyone else that you could use. You had to go to options, like you had to go to whatever options you had. Well, and and the problem there, too, well,
1: I think Siegel got nailed. Well, if if he hadn't gotten nailed, that probably uh, was a fieldable ground ball, if not for someone behind him, um, which is tough because that's an out you're giving away. He's pitching well. Um,
0: I mean, to be fair, he'd given up a couple of walks, but it was still, you know, game is tied. You're starting to get into a high-leverage situation, but it's manageable. Like, you can pitch your way out of this. You can – like, it's possible that if the comebacker didn't hit him, that's a double play ball, right, like you're saying. So, it it just snowballed, I think. As soon as he got hit, things were a little unsettled. And then you have to go to arms that maybe don't have as much time uh, on the field. uh, Throughout the season, they're not not as as proven – And it it was just a bit of a slog from there on.
1: I would like to correct it. Actually, the, uh, as I noted, uh, the, the single to the pitcher, uh, as they note in the score, uh, in this uh, uh, box score was the first play of the inning. So there was no one on base when he got nailed by the comebacker. Um, no, really, I thought there was at least
0: one person on base.
1: Nope. There's no one on base. He was, he was the first batter, um. And then Medich walked uh, the next two guys.
0: Um, and then got pulled.
1: Well, because well, the at one point, they were trying to bunt the runners uh, who were on first and second over, uh, but the runners got wild-pitched over anyways. Um, Crawford comes in, strikes out a guy, the first guy he saw, and then Blamo uh, uh, grand slam on the second guy. Uh, Then there was another swinging strikeout this time, followed by a double. Um, And after that, uh, Mr. Brown did come into pitch. Then there was another double, uh, then a walk, and then uh, some shenanigans in the field. There were some steals, wild pitches. And then uh, the inning mercifully ended 53 minutes later with a ground out. So setting the record straight with that one. But uh, the the point... It was a five-hour
0: game, all right? Five-hour game. Yeah.
1: It it runs to, it runs together at some point, like especially if you've been <laughs> watching soccer for the last three hours of it, like I was. The, uh what was I going to say? the The reason I was a little bit vague earlier is because I was trying to like like fly through it, and at some point, a, a five hour, eleven inning game, the stuff runs together. Um, and, and but to to your point, the thing I wanted to circle back to on running out of arms. This year of all years, when you have an expanded roster due to COVID, you have the Wonder Kid uh, pitching uh, coach, Mr. Danny Burrell, having a full year with the staff. I think we expect I think our expectations were correctly set at the beginning of the year to expect more out of the staff. Mm-hmm. Like the hitting has wasn't really the problem this year.
0: I mean it was boom I think it was boom or bust. Let's be clear. But at the same time, that's the way that the roster did always. Actually,
1: some of that comes back to roster decisions too. Like, hey, Colin Hall has only played in one game in the last uh, two and a half months. Let's now throw him into some of the highest leverage at bats. He's going to see in his entire career. Podcasting visual medium.
0: I am shrugging right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm not expecting you to have answers or comments, but you know like the 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 speed of which pitchers were hooked, uh the, the development of the staff, these are all things that I think they can reasonably take steps to improve for next year uh because I mean some, something has to change, right? You you need mm-hmm. to be more consistent at the plate. You need to be Uh, To quote uh, the director of Morale, uh, which is a... Oh, God. You have to play the best nine. Like, if you want to win, you have to play the best nine.
0: Well, I I don't even think it's... Roster decisions are not my forte. Or at least hitting lineup decisions are not my forte. So I'm going to set those aside for now. It's not not necessarily something I can... I want to
1: ask you a question before you get into this. Okay. Who was... uh, the staff, the, the coaching staff, Danny Hall, whoever's uh, pick-to-click or most improved off-season player. The one who they they were going to start at this position of question uh, coming into this year.
0: Jake Holland a catcher? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm surprised that I got that one right. But also, yeah, Jake Holland is no longer on the roster? Question mark? I
1: believe he's transferring. But – my point is that was a serious question from the first couple weeks of the year is, Hey, this Parada kid's playing really well. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be the starter or are we just going to rotate do this half heartedly? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I mean, we have to give him credit, right? That was the right decision. Yep. The data proved itself out there.
1: And and the, the tougher thing is that, the the decisions not quite so clear at some of these other positions right some of these these pitching roles the, the roster spots whether you're going to favor a defense or or batting or or whether the batting is on fire or it's not you know or it's god
0: forbid you use a shift <laughs> um i'm i'm going to i'm going to tamp down my anger about that one but we we can we can come back to that later on at a different podcast
1: they have uh they have actual IEs in their stats department, though, so got that going for us.
0: Okay. Well, l- let me get to the point that I was going to make because what I was going to say is the hitting the oh, lineup goodbye. decisions a little bit.
1: A little goodbye. bit. Beyond.
0: Nebraska just blew it.
1: Sorry. This is a live podcast. We're talking college baseball. Arkansas is going on. Goodbye, Nebraska.
0: Nebraska. Ne- ball.
1: Yeah. No. Ne- ne- ball.
0: Baseball. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. So, so lineup decisions are not necessarily my forte, right? It's it's hard, like you said, it's hard to sort of eke out or meet out the quality of a lineup um, because even the best hitters only hit thirty three percent of the time or get a hit thirty three percent of the time. For pitching, I think it's a little easy. It's a little easier to sort of meet out the quality because the results are there. You can see the, the balls and strike called in front of you. Um, you, you can evaluate control and, and quality pitching a little, a little easier, even if you're more of a novice. And from, my, from what I was looking at, I think we were doing really well in sort of the pitching speed department, the power department, some of the mo- – not even some of the movement stuff, but just being able to blow college hitters away with pitches – but at the same time, some of the control that we'd seen in past staffs, even if that control was a was a little awry at times, was not there, right? I think we had a – I mean, we've seen a ton more wild pitches. I guess anecdotally, I'd have to go back to actually confirm it, but a ton more wild pitches this year, a ton more situations where pitchers were just sort of losing the strike zone um, for a bit. It would it, it seemed a little just – uncharacteristic for what we've come to expect from the staff. Obviously we've come to expect up and down bullpen performances over the years, but this was an up and down in a different way where I felt like part of it was there. The speed was there. The control had not developed in kind. And so as we move forward into next season, as we have all this technology in the new training area for, for baseball, um, measuring spin rate, spin rate and, and able to do all this trajectory analytics. That's what I want to see. I want to see the application of some of those. I want to see more movement, more control, rather than just trying to win on speed and power, which is what at times it felt like this year.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it was the pitching equivalent of all gas and no brakes, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh it was at times a mess and I think you know we saw the worst of it uh late on. Um just sometimes you just not able to get strikes when you need to and uh, it's it's tough, right? It's sometimes it's your day and sometimes it's not. What what are you going to do?
1: Yeah. Um I was going to say the the thing that was most obvious about this year was we didn't have a like a Connor Thomas, uh, like ace in the hole, or Xavier Curry, a second. <laughs> we didn't have a one-two that was quite that caliber. And like when you saw Tristan English was coming in uh, to close a game or to pitch in the eighth,
0: that was uh, more reassuring, you know. It's, it was a safety blanket, right? And, yes. I, and I think we we talked about that in the aftermath of the, uh, the 2019 regional, right? It, it, that's why there was an entire debate. Do you let Connor Thomas pitch that last out or pitch for that last out to complete the game by himself? Or do you bring interest in English's cover as a fresh arm? And that's why the decision there was so difficult because you have two proven commodities on the mound that y- – in my opinion, it was like, okay, I feel comfortable saying, Connor Thomas, you're at ninety-five pitches, finish the game, finish the job. You only ha- you only need one more strike. And and obviously it didn't didn't work out you know all that well in that instant, in that uh winner's bracket game that ended up in a walk-off, but the the concept, right, the the idea, the model there of having a starting pitcher that you trust to go six, seven, and then having a closer that you can trust to get at least 3 outs if not 4 or 5 that model was proven there and i and i agree i don't necessarily think i can point to a point to a similar pairing because the pitching similar pairing in 2021 because the pitching performances were so scattered in term you know in terms of uh quality yeah i
1: agree I agree. I don't have a lot to add to that either. It's you put it well.
0: Okay. Um, I think we, we need to, you know, take another couple of weeks, digest a little bit more, maybe prepare, prepare a, a little stuff and come back to this uh, with, you know, actual data, actual hard opinions. And maybe we'll do a, a grand recap episode at some point. But yeah, that is uh, that's about it for, for us tonight. Uh, it's it's starting to get late here on the east coast so uh anything anything else before we sign off
1: um no i I'm, i can't think of anything the uh i don't know we we have a whole summer ahead to not be uh cynics tight about georgia tech sports uh, and we can come back in the fall with you know maybe some fresh eyes
0: and more and snark over.
1: yes yes um we want to be on our game for the podcast but also we want to enjoy it so um we'll, so just, yes snark. Over, so all
0: right. cool we'll see you all next week